you know, we can clap. Um, that's really exciting, very thankful for that. Um, you know, this year, we, uh, Nick had come to me several months ago, wanted to, to get involved in prison ministry. I did it for years um, in Arizona, but the church that I worked at before I started here, they have an amazing prison ministry, and so we just partnered with Shadow Mountain. Instead of trying to reinvent the wheel here, we partnered with them and, uh, and did that Christmas card program. So thank you guys so much for that. I really appreciate it. Amy informed me that we've, uh, we've, been, you know, we've been collecting coats for uh, medical, uh, Mexican medical missions. And so you've brought over 75 coats. So thank you so much for that. Really appreciate that. Also, if you have middle schoolers or high schoolers, beginning in January, we are kind of, re not, we're not relaunching, we're, we're, we're changing up our youth program a bit. And so our main, our youth program is going to be on Wednesday nights here in the auditorium, middle school, high school, 6.30 to 8.30. And so on Sunday mornings, we want to encourage you to bring your middle schoolers and high schoolers to church. We, we really want to make this church their church. We want them to get involved in volunteering, serving, being a part of the service with their family, being a part of communion, worship, all of that stuff. And so Wednesday nights, we're going to have a big blowout, amazing, organized life groups, um, message, hangout time, games. It's going to be really cool, 6.30 to 8.30 on Wednesday nights. And it's not going to follow the life group schedule. It'll go all year, just like a normal uh, youth group would. So, so we're really excited um, about that. That'll begin January um, of next year. Uh, that new program will begin. Really excited about that. You know, life, uh, life is not measured only in time. Life is measured in moments. It's measured in moments. You think back at your life, you don't remember every detail of your life, but you remember moments in your life, don't you? I mean, this past week, do you remember every detail from this past week? No, but you remember moments. I remember being sick all week. So if I'm not out uh, greeting everybody after service, you know why. I don't want to infect you. Um, I remember my daughters calling me and checking on me a couple times um, uh, this week. I remember having a conversation with my son about college. I, uh, um, I remember my wife being upset this week because she had to take her dad back to the airport after visiting with him over Thanksgiving. Moments. Life's about moments, not about time. Think about this past year. I don't remember every detail from this past year. I remember my son getting his driver's license. I remember my grandma turning 90. Isn't that amazing? Spunky, feisty as ever. 90. My grandma. I can't even believe that. Just blows my mind. I remember traveling to the Dominican Republic this year to visit the incredible work with the missions organization that we support here at New Hope. I remember my two adult daughters flying out to see their daddy this year and spending time with them. I remember all the baptisms that we've had here at New Hope this year. 
I remember Easter Sunday where we had over 1,200 people here on Easter Sunday. I remember the decisions made for the Lord. I remember having to say goodbye to some incredible families here at New Hope that have moved or been relocated because of jobs. I remember this past year having to mourn the loss of some amazing people here at New Hope that went to be with the Lord. You see, life is not measured by time. Life is measured by moments. We remember the moments. We're beginning a series today entitled Holy Moments. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at four holy moments in this Christmas story. Not all the details, the moments. The moments that are significant, the moments that are important. And today, the title of my message is When It's Hard to Obey. And we're going to look at a moment in the life of a person that where one act, one moment of obedience changed everything for him and for us. Just one moment. One moment of obedience can change our lives forever. And on the flip side, it's also true. How many holy moments do we miss out on because we don't listen to God? or because we would rather do our own thing, or because what we want is more important than what God wants. How many holy moments do we miss out on because we don't just obey? Turn to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at this incredible story of the birth of Jesus, and we're going to look at a moment in a man's life that changed everything for him and for us, and how one act of obedience can literally be a game changer. We're going to begin in verse 18 in Matthew 1. It says, Now this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, being a a just man decided to break the engagement quietly so as to not disgrace her publicly. And as he considered this, he fell asleep. Yeah, that is definitely something to sleep on. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to go ahead with your marriage to Mary. For the child within her has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. That clears things up. I was wondering. I knew I didn't play a role in this. My assumption was she stepped out on me, but this makes more sense. I mean, I mean, thank you for clearing that up. You, you see where we're going with this, right? I mean, this makes, what? Are you kidding me? Like, what do you mean? It's, you, it's God's, really? I mean, this is unprecedented. For the child within her has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And all of this happened to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. When Joseph woke up, 
He did what the angel of the Lord commanded. I don't know if we understand quite how remarkable this is, and I'll try to do it justice here in just a few minutes. He brought Mary home to be his wife, but she remained a virgin until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. You know, most of us, we're really familiar with Mary. We know everything about Mary. Mary gets all the stage time. Mary gets all the sermons, and so she should. She should. She's, she's the mother of Messiah. But we don't know that much about Joseph. We really don't. We, we, we don't know much about him at all, really. There, there are a few things we do know about Joseph. It's in your notes. It'll be up on the screens. If you're on our New Hope East Lake app, you can follow along there as well. We know a few things about Joseph. We know that Joseph was a carpenter. More than likely a stonesman. There were more stones, stonework than there was wood around the area that he uh, would have grown up in, but um, he was a carpenter. We know that Joseph was a righteous and a faithful man. We know that Joseph was a descendant of David. We know that Joseph was Mary's husband. And we know that Joseph is an earthly father of Jesus. Those are the things that we know. But outside of that, we don't hardly know anything about Joseph. And, and the reason is because most scholars believe that Joseph died um, while Jesus was young, probably in his teenage years, maybe his early 20s. Um, they more than likely didn't divorce. The, probably, the, the Bible probably would have mentioned it. Not to mention the fact that we know that Jesus didn't start his public ministry until he was 30. So he probably stayed at home with his mom, which is customary in Jewish culture. If your mom was a widow, you stayed home to take care of your mom until you were 30. Not to mention the fact that we know that on the cross, Jesus had given John the responsibility of taking care of his mother after he would be crucified, so she was probably a widow. The last time that we hear about Joseph is when Jesus is about 12 years old, and then he drops off the pages of history, and we know nothing else about him. In the context of this story, we read that he was engaged to Mary. Now, for us, we think, oh, engagement, 20s, even these days, 30s, you know, but not, not so in this case. Mary was probably, most scholars feel, in her early teens, maybe even as young as 14 years old. Joseph probably a little bit older, but, but not, not much. And, 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 and so these are two young people, Mary very, very young, and, and, and she's engaged. Now, for us, an engagement is just kind of like a promise. Well, I'm going to marry you, but I don't have to if the ring's not big enough or if you drive me nuts until the day we get married. In the Bible times, when, when you were engaged in Jewish culture, it was actually a legal document. Like, it was a legal marriage. You just couldn't consummate the marriage until, until, the, uh, um, until um, the public ceremonies. Um, so you had all the commitment, but none of the fun, right? And so... And, uh, and so they were engaged, which meant they were, they, they were legally married. And so for this to happen, I mean, not only is this just way beyond the cultural norm in those days, but this would have been absolutely groundbreaking, devastating for Joseph. This would have turned his world upside down because, you know, if, if, if Mary had been with another man, this is a, this is a life-ruining scandal. What other conclusion would you come to? Joseph's like, I know it's not me, 
I'm not the dad. And so there's only really under other, there's really only one other conclusion. Joseph and Mary would have been mocked, would have been humiliated. Joseph's name, his reputation would have been tarnished for good. Not to mention the fact that according to Deuteronomy 22, Joseph could have brought her before the council and she could have been legally killed. She could have been killed for what she'd done. But we see what Joseph wanted to do is that Joseph wanted to, to, to just divorce her quietly. He didn't want to bring shame to her. This is a good man. He didn't want to bring shame to her. He could have even brought her before the council and declared her guilty, even if she wasn't stoned. And she would have been relegated to basically a destitute life in order for Joseph to get his name back, to get his reputation back. But Joseph did none of this. Joseph was going to just quietly, with integrity, just kind of go his separate ways, not worry about, his, about clearing his name. He was just going to divorce her privately. Joseph's story is an incredible example to us. Let's not miss it. There, there are three things that we see in this story that are amazing examples for us. The first one is this, is that you don't have, or excuse me, you have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience. I mean, look at, G, look at Joseph's holy moment. The one thing that changed everything in verse 20 this is in, as, as he considered this, as he considered divorcing her, because that was the only logical thing to do. That's what he was going to do. He's like, well, I better sleep on this. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, which would have been his natural reaction. Why would I take her as my wife? For the child within her has been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she'll have a son, and you're to name him Jesus. This isn't a normal circumstance, the angel's saying. This is different. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is Messiah. Joseph was in a horrible place. The woman of his dreams has betrayed him. But we know that Joseph was a man of integrity. And what Joseph didn't realize was that at his lowest moment, it was about to be his holiest moment. Joseph's lowest moment was about to be his holiest moment. Scripture tells us in Matthew's Gospel, verse 20, as he considered this, as he considered the divorce, the angel told him to take Mary as his wife. Now, notice what Joseph didn't do. And by the way, these four things that I'm going to list that Joseph didn't do are all the things that I would have done, okay? <clears throat> and so this is why I put on here uh, these four things, because I would have done all four of these, but Joseph didn't. The first thing that Joseph didn't do is that Joseph didn't explain away his dream. Well, you know, that really wasn't from God. You know, that really wasn't, uh, you know, I don't know what I was dreaming, but that definitely was not God. I'm blinded by love, and so I'm just like, I'm not, I'm not seeing things properly. That really wasn't God. The next thing that Joseph didn't do is that Joseph didn't argue with God. I would have. <laughs> Take her as my wife. Are you kidding me? Like, she clearly betrayed me. She cheated on me. There is no chance that I'm taking this woman back. No way. I'm young. I can still find somebody good. There is no way that I'm taking her back. Joseph didn't argue with God. Joseph didn't ask for another sign. God, can you, like, send an angel during the day when I'm awake? Like, you know, like, I need a little more clarification. Joseph didn't ask for that. 
Joseph didn't even ask for clarifying details. Well, if I do, then what about this? If I forgive her, what about this? If I raise this kid that's not really mine, what about this? If I marry her, what about... Joseph asked for no clarifying details. I'm the kind of person where, like, if it doesn't make sense, like, if it's not logical, I'm very black and white. If it's, okay, this either makes sense or it doesn't make sense. If it doesn't make sense, what's the point, right? But Joseph doesn't have any of those debates at all. It's really incredible. Notice what Joseph did. Look at his holy moment, this one act of just pure obedience that changes everything. Verse 24, it says that when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him to do, and he took Mary as his wife. That is crazy. But he did it. And it's amazing what one moment of obedience can do in a person's life. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was true of each of us? We didn't question God. We didn't ask God to clear the path. We didn't ask God for all the answers. How's it going to end? What's it going to look like? Where am I going to end up in this? How's it going to benefit me? Wouldn't it be amazing if we were just like Joseph? And we just did what God told us to do. This moment of obedience changed his life forever. The second example that we see from Joseph is, that, is, is this. Is that you don't have to understand completely to obey immediately. You do not have to understand completely. Because let's be honest. Sometimes God asks us, to, asks us to do things that don't make sense from a cultural standpoint from an ideologic stamp, ideological standpoint, sometimes from a common sense standpoint. But the Bible says that we live by faith, not by sight. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We don't have to understand completely in order to obey immediately. Verse 24, he did as the Lord told him to do, and he took Mary off. Uh, as his wife. Think of all the information that Joseph didn't have. Okay, God told him to do this. He didn't ask for any details. He just did it. But think of all the things that Joseph didn't know. Joseph had no idea that late in Mary's pregnancy that there was going to be a decree that they were going to have to travel to Bethlehem for a census. Could you imagine having that conversation with your wife in her third trimester? Hey, honey, we're going to go on a long journey. Well, you'd get beat up right then, for one. But two, on a horse or a donkey. But I promise you, after we endure this journey, we're going to have a nice place to stay. I'm going to have a nice bed for you to relax in. It's going to be a long journey. There's nothing I can do about it. There's a census. I've, we've got to go back to, I've got to go back to my hometown. We have to go. Imagine having that conversation with your wife in her third trimester. Right? And then they get there. Joseph had no idea that they weren't going to have a place to stay. But Joseph, you promised me, if I came on this journey, that once we got there, I would have a nice place to lay down and relax. Uh, technically, we do have a place to stay. Where? Where? Um, you see that stable out there with the animals? That, that is not a good way to start your marriage, is it? 
Joseph had no idea that his wife would give birth in a barn. Joseph had no idea <coughs> excuse me, that after Jesus was born, that Herod would issue a decree that all Jewish boys under two years old would be killed and they would have to go on the run again. He had no idea. You say, well, why is this important? Here, here's why it's important. We don't need all the information in order to obey. And this is important because at some point in your life, if it hasn't happened already, and just because it has, it might happen again. It's happened to me numerous times where the Lord prompts you to do something that doesn't make sense. Or God speaks to you by, through his word or by his prompting, his spirit, and he tells you to do something and it doesn't make sense. The math doesn't add up. The numbers aren't working out the way that I thought they would. God's gonna prompt us to do something that might not make sense. Maybe you're dating someone right now that you know, you know they're not right for you. But you're tired of being alone. You're tired of being single. And so you're willing to compromise your values. You're willing to compromise your character even though you know this relationship is not God-honoring, this person does not drive you to God. They actually distract you from God, and you know you have to make a decision. But being single stinks, and starting all over is difficult. But will we obey? Maybe God's been speaking to you about volunteering here at church. God's been nudging you. God's been knocking on your heart. He's been prompting you. And you're like, oh, I'm just, every time I think about it, I'm so busy and work is busy and life is busy and, and just not enough hours in the day. And, and, and God keeps nudging you and you quit, keep making excuses. And then I think of all the incredible volunteers that we have here every week at New Hope that do so many incredible things and the lives that they impact because they choose to serve. I mean, just, you know, not even a year ago, Nick came to me and he's like, Pastor Rick, I, I feel like I want to start a, a, a prison ministry. And here a few months later, through God using him, we've sent out 2,000 Christmas cards to inmates. And we have 24 people signed up for a prison ministry. And, and, and who knows the lives that we're going to impact from here on out because one guy just listened to God and said, you know what, I haven't done this before, but I feel it and I'm going to try it. You never know what God can do through one moment of obedience in your life. Maybe God's challenged you to do something financially. Maybe to begin tithing. Maybe to be more generous. Maybe God's put somebody in your life that you just feel like God wants you to be super generous towards. And you're like, yeah, but, you know, inflation and, and, and food prices and, you know, I, 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 and God's nudging you. Are we going to obey Maybe there's somebody in your life that you've considered forgiving or reconciling with. And God's been prompting you, and God's been speaking to you. You think about it when you lay in bed at night, and you know you need to make that call. You know you need to send that text. But pride is getting in the way because, to be honest, you don't really want to forgive that person. You don't want that person to have a second chance. You don't want them to feel like what they did didn't matter 
You want them to feel that weight of pain and hurt because you've been hurting. So you want them to feel that. Even though you know that the Bible says that we're to forgive others as the Lord Jesus has forgiven us. But forgiveness is hard. It can get messy. Will we obey? We don't have to know all the details and things don't always have to make sense in order for us to obey. Number three, the third example we see with Joseph is that obedience is our responsibility and the outcome is God's. Joseph had no idea what the outcome of this holy moment would be in his life. This one moment of obedience. Matter of fact, odds were, just from a realistic standpoint, Joseph would have got the brunt of most of the difficulty by doing this. But our responsibility is obedience. And God's responsibility is the results. And Joseph's example is I'm going to obey and I'll let God figure out all the details. Look in verse 25. It says that he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. He did exactly what God told him to do. Take Mary as your wife. Name him Jesus. He did exactly what the Lord asked him to do. You know, there's a big kind of problem in our culture um, in the pastor world that's called cultural Christianity. You know what that is? Cultural Christianity is where we are educated beyond our level of obedience. In other words, people say, oh, I want more. I want to dig deeper. I want to be fed. I want to get into the word. I want to da-da-da-da-da. But they're not even practicing the elementary things of the scripture. We want to go deeper. We want more knowledge, but we don't want to do more. And a lot of times we want to go so deep, but we're still not practicing the elementary things in the scripture. We have all this head knowledge, but not life application. Because we actually need to do more of what we already know rather than know more of what we don't already do. Andy Stanley says too many Christians are content to believe rather than do. We just have to obey God and trust him with the results. Just do what God tells us to do and to trust him with the results. This is so powerful because this is exactly what Joseph did. Joseph's holy moment this moment in Joseph's life where things could have changed for him forever, good or bad. And yet Joseph chose to do what God told him to do. And this is vital. This matters because if the child had been conceived by an earthly father, conceived by the seed of Joseph, he would have had a sinful nature that's passed down from person to person. But because he didn't inherit the sinful nature of man, because instead Jesus inherited the nature of God. He was able to be that perfect sacrifice, to live that sinless life so that we could be forgiven. And because of that, no sin is too great for God's grace. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. 
And Joseph does it. And any time and almost every time God prompts you, he gives you a word, he gives you a direction, he speaks to you through his word, he speaks to you by his spirit. Almost every time we obey, listen, we're going to be met with some sort of spiritual or even physical opposition. And a lot of times that's why we don't obey. But we need to understand that it's okay to go against the grain of our culture. It's okay. And if you're single, it's okay to not give in to our hookup dating culture. You don't have to follow the path that everybody else follows, even if it doesn't make sense. You'll face opposition, but it's okay. Um, this week, there's kind of been a, a story circulating in the news and and online and social media. Matter of fact, my mom sent it to me earlier in the week. Thank you, mom. And, uh, um, and so I thought I'd share it because it fits really well with, with uh, Joseph's situation and, and with what I just talked about, about just doing what God wants us to do and then trusting God um, for the results. Have you ever heard of Neil McDonough? Anybody ever heard of him? Uh, his picture will be up on the screen. Yeah. Um, very, very popular actor. He's been in a ton of movies, um, played prominent roles in shows such as Band of Brothers, Suits, Mall Cop, Desperate Housewives, Justified, Minority Report. The list goes on and on and on. And what's interesting about Neil is that Neil's a believer. <clears throat> and um, Neil has always had in his contract a no kissing and no sex scene policy. It's cost him jobs, but He's had plenty of work, so it's never been that big a deal. The, um, the writers, the directors have always said, well, we'll just get more creative in the way that we write. And it's never really um, um, been an issue. He's married. He has five kids. And, and um, he has always said that, you know what, in a movie, I have no problem lying to somebody because I'm not really lying to somebody. I'm acting, right? Like, I'm just acting. I have no problem killing somebody because I'm not really killing them. Like, I'm not really hurting them. I'm acting. But if I'm kissing another woman, I'm actually kissing another woman. And he, doesn't want his, he didn't want his wife or his children to see that. Well, one show that he had, was casted for several years ago called Scoundrels, they had written in several sex scenes for him, and he was to kiss his co-star and all of that, and he refused. Um, he said, I haven't done this in the past. I'm not willing to do it now. And subsequently, he was fired from this. And then he was blacklisted from Hollywood. He could not get a job. You can look up the story on YouTube. He gives an amazing speech. It's, it's, it's incredible. He lost his Hollywood home. He lost some of his shiny cars. I think he mentions he had to take pull one of his kids out from a nice college and put him in a a, a less expensive college. He was blacklisted for two years. And this is what he said. He said that he prayed, God, why have you forgotten about me? Why am I being punished for doing the right thing? And then this is what he says, and I quote, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I realized what self-absorbed questions those were. God has given me so much. We all experience challenges in our lives. I should be grateful and thankful for all the blessings that God has given to me. But God had not forgotten about McDonough. After two years of not being able to find work, he got a call 
about a new series coming out with a producer he had worked with in the past, a new series called Justified. And this would be the series that would restart his career and he would never look back. You see, you have no idea what God can do through one moment of obedience. You might have to suffer for it for a little while, but if God is there at the beginning of the story, he's going to be there at the end of the story. Every time. An angel of the Lord said, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. And Joseph did as the angel commanded. A moment. A moment. Life isn't measured by just time. Life is measured by moments. We're going to close service out today a little bit different. We're going to end with communion. I thought it would be appropriate to end this way because we think of Christmas as a time of giving, and it is, but when it comes to the cross, when it comes to the body, when it comes to Jesus' sacrifice, we receive. We're receiving what the Lord has done for us. Would you stand up with me? If you did not receive communion when you walked in, would you, if you just lift your hand, um, they'll get you some if, if you didn't receive communion. Um, what I would like for you to do, you don't have to do this. If you want to, you can. Um, but what I would like for you to do, if you're comfortable, would, would you just kind of like, just, just lift your palms up to the Lord? You can, if you want to do it by your waist or you can do it high, however you want to do it. I love to pray like this. This is my favorite way to pray with my, <coughs> excuse me, with my palms. Turn to the Lord. Because in that moment, I'm saying, Lord, I'm not telling you everything that I want. I'm not telling you everything that I need from you. Lord, in this moment, I want to receive from you. I want to receive your direction. I want to receive your guidance. I want to receive your presence. I want to receive your power. I just want to receive from you. And sometimes the best thing we can do is to just receive from the Lord. The elements that you have in your hand represent Jesus' body that was given for us. And the juice represents his blood that was given for us. And so today in this moment, would you just take a second and just say, Jesus, today I receive what you've done for me. I receive what you've done for me today. Would you peel back the top layer that contains the wafer? This represents Jesus' body that was nailed to the cross for our sins. Would you receive this today? And just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your body that was given for me. Let's eat together. If you peel back that bottom layer, it contains the juice, which represents Jesus' blood that was shed for us.
on the cross. He became that ultimate sacrifice. Would you receive that today? Say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your power in my life today. Would you just take a second and say thank you? Let's drink together. Father, we pause today to say thank you. Thank you for Joseph's incredible example of when it's hard to obey. Obeying is not always easy. Father, I don't know what parts of the message speak to people and what parts don't, but you do. And I just pray that each of us, if we'll just ask ourselves just a simple question and just say, is there anything in this message that I can apply today? And not just have head knowledge, not just have more information, but is there any part of this message that I could actually do, that I could live out from the example of Joseph? Father, bless the teaching of your word today. Thank you for each person here. Watch over them, bless them. Help us to receive your love, your forgiveness, your goodness, your spirit, and your power. In Jesus' name, amen. What an amazing message. Thank you, Pastor. We love you. Thank you, church. Come on, give it up for God. It was an amazing Sunday, and it's not over. We have train rides and ornament decoration for your kids outside. We have a meet and greet. If you want to talk to Pastor Rick and some of the staff, they're going to be outside. And this, at last but not least, we have a prayer. If you need prayer, any prayer today please come by to the front we have people from the prayer team and they're here to pray for you we love you guys god bless you have an amazing amazing week see you next sunday